As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm the host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about the effects of stress during pregnancy. And something I learned from this conversation, which I found really enlightening, is that we shouldn't be blaming ourselves for the stress that we feel. It is just how our body's reacting to given circumstances. I also learned that we need to differentiate anxiety and stress. They're two very different things. I learned so much. So to have this very enlightening conversation, I spoke with Parijat Deshpande. She is the leading integrative high-risk pregnancy specialist, a somatic trauma professional, and speaker and author who guides women to improve their pregnancy complications so they can reduce their risk of preterm birth. Her unique neurobiological approach has served hundreds of women to manage pregnancy complications and reclaim a safety and trust in their bodies that they thought had eroded forever. Parijat is the author of the best-selling book, Pregnancy Brain, a mind-body approach to stress management during a high-risk pregnancy. It was really a wonderful conversation. She really taught me a lot, and she helped me step away from, I wanted, give me tools. What are things we can do? And she really helped broaden. It's not tools, it's lifestyle. So I got so much out of this conversation. I hope you will too. Before we get to that, just some exciting news that we're continuously looking at how we're starting to bring our classes back in person and online. And we're looking, and I think we're getting there, to find this wonderful balance between reopening our in-person classes, bringing live stream into those in-person classes, and finding that balance of maintaining some of our just online classes. We've created in these last 15 months a really beautiful, intimate community. So some classes are just going to stay online in the structure that we have, really talking to each other one-on-one. Some will be back in the studio. Some will be a hybrid of both. So check that out. I'm really excited with how we're taking things and how things are starting to emerge. Also, I know that those 
people that are coming to class, not everyone can make it to class, you know, three, four, five days a week. So if you're still feeling some aches and pains between classes, I've got you covered with what I'm calling a cheat sheet. It is the five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. So it's this free downloadable that you can grab and I have things that help your back, your upper, your neck, your shoulders, your hamstrings, your outer hips, some of the most common pregnancy aches and pains. And I have it on this free downloadable. You can print out. So when you're feeling this discomfort, you can go grab that free worksheet and help your body, help your mind, help your body. All right. Last thing I want to say is teacher training is maintaining itself online for the rest of this year, 2021. And then we're going to be back in person, but I'm really hoping that we can do one online teacher training per year. I have to really see what Yoga Alliance says, but if you are a yoga teacher and you want to take a deep dive into serving the perinatal community, I can help you with that. We have a very in-depth 85-hour prenatal yoga teacher training. And for the next two trainings, it's going to be online. So no booking planes or hotels to come to New York. Let's do it together online. And then if you're a yoga teacher, but you don't want to go so deeply into what we're offering for prenatal yoga teacher training, but you still want to have the skills to support the pregnant student that wanders into your open level class, I have an online self guided course for that called Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi? You can check all that out on the website prenatalyogacenter.com. Okay, we're going to take a super quick break and we come back. Please enjoy my conversation with Parijat. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Parishat. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, it's the end of the week. I always love that. It makes me happy. (laughs) Absolutely. So I'm super excited about talking, even though our topic is not light, we're talking about the effects of stress during pregnancy. It's Mm -hmm. such an important topic and conversation because I feel like there is just so much stress on parents and new parents and just life. So I think this is a really important topic. So I'm just so happy you're giving me some of your time. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. I think it's going to be a lovely conversation. Yes. So I guess the best way to start is I'd love to learn a little bit about you and what drew you to focusing on supporting new and expectant parents with high-risk pregnancies and stress and trauma. Sure. Uh, the quick answer is it was personal experience. Mm. Um, I went through infertility uh, uh, loss and a very high risk pregnancy myself. And it was through that personal experience of having been the patient where I was realizing the major 
gaps, I mean, canyon level gaps in my profession, which at the time was clinical psychology and the medical system, both of those systems were really leaving somebody like me uh, without enough support and without enough understanding and education about what uh, I can do to help improve my pregnancy outcome, even though I was having multiple complications. And so I was, I remember being on modified activity restrictions for the entirety of my pregnancy and around like 15, 16 weeks, I remember being at home and just noticing how anxious I was and feeling really nervous and scared about losing this baby also and noticing how different that experience was because I don't typically, I'm not typically an anxious person. But this was just kind of an all day, all night, round the clock anxiety that was there. And I knew that what I, if I walked into an office of somebody who was in my profession, I knew what they would say to me because that's what I would have said to me. <laughs> but as the patient at that point, I knew that's not what I needed. I didn't need to know how to change my thoughts. I did not need to know how to calm down what I needed to know is how do I help myself stay pregnant because I know that this anxiety or this stress is not good for the baby and not good for me. And my doctor didn't know, and I knew that most of my colleagues didn't know. And so I got to actually put that to test, uh, unfortunately, and fortunately, I guess, in the real in real time, when I landed in the hospital at 22 weeks and four days. I was three centimeters dilated. I'd already developed five complications by that point. And my medical team was preparing both me and my husband that we were going to lose this baby because it was just too soon. And I told them, you know, I agree to all the medical treatments that you think are going to be necessary, but there's one more thing that we haven't tried yet that I want to try. And I had this impulse, this this idea that if I could modulate my own body and I could support my body in a way that the medical treatment's not going to do. Could we possibly extend my pregnancy in some way? It, it wasn't a thought in that concise, clear way at the time. It was more of just a feeling. But again, in retrospect, that's kind of what was happening. And I offered that to my medical team and, and they said, uh, sure, we can try. <laughs> they, okay. I think they, they felt really bad for us for how much we had been through and they didn't want to say no and there's no harm in trying anyway. And so they gave me the medications and they gave us 72 hours and they were really preparing us that you're probably going to deliver in the next 72 hours and he's not going to survive. And with the combination of the medications and what I was doing to modulate my body, we breezed through those 72 hours and we actually got 15 days. Wow. And so he was born at 24 weeks and five days, which is still very, very early, but it was late enough to give him a chance at life. And that's really when this clicked for me. And I said, I have to come back and do this work and fill in those gaps that are there in these two fields because I don't have any magic powers. There's nothing special about me that made this possible for me. I had all these things stacked against me and it still worked. What could happen if we taught all women how to modulate their own bodies and imagine what could be possible for the preterm birth rate if we could actually make this a part of standard prenatal care? And so that's really when the seed was planted and how I come to do the work that I do now. So I'm just... Dying to know, what did you do? What did you do to modulate your body? <laughs> well, that's the thing. What I did is not going to necessarily right. work for you. I or totally for get that. Else. But I, and I, I know, but I'm just like, well, ah, tell me. <laughs> I know. So, I mean, it comes from, I'll give you kind of the, 
the essence of where it really comes from, which is the idea that stress, chronic stress and traumatic stress don't originate in the mind. They're not thought-based experiences. They are body-based experiences. And what's happening is when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're experiencing trauma, and we use these words to describe those experiences, what's happened is our body has already shifted into survival mode. And what survival mode means is all body systems change all in the the alignment to keep you alive and safe, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things, one of the ways that that shows up, I mean, it shows up in multiple different ways. We're happy to get into those details. But one of those ways that it shows up is through muscle tightness and tension, mm-hmm. right? It, and it shows up in all kinds of different ways. And typically what we end up doing what kind of pop culture tells us to do, and actually a lot of clinical psychology tells us to do from based on old data is we relax those muscles. And if anybody has been in this situation and somebody's told you to just relax, you know how well that works. It doesn't <laughs> work, right? And so it what the work that I actually did, which is now what I teach to my clients is you're not going for relaxation. What you're going for is actually releasing the survival stress that's being dumped into you. And I go into the details of this a little bit in my book where I describe it through the example of uh, being chased by a bear. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're being chased by a bear or you're on hospital bed rest trying to stay pregnant or something else. Survival stress gets dumped into your body in the exact same way, no matter what. And the intention is to get you moving, right? Or if it's so overwhelming that you can't move, it is to get you to stay completely still, to freeze completely so you're not moving so that the predator or the threat can't see you, right? But it's still dumping survival stress into your body. And the only way to get it out is ultimately through movement. And unfortunately, in situations like mine, where you're, I was on strict hospital bed rest, I wasn't even going up, getting up to go to the bathroom. Um, and this is often an issue, an issue for say women who are on heavy doses of medication, who are on anesthesia, where you maybe physically cannot move mm-hmm. that survival stress gets trapped in the body. And so we've got to find a way to release that in a way that is conducive to you also, um, adhering to your medical restrictions or recommendations and that's safe for you. And so for me, a lot of what that looked like was finding where in my body it was very specifically trapped because it can often feel like it's your whole body and that's not usually the case. There's very specific spots and then figuring out what I needed to do to discharge that energy. Um, and when you do that, then your muscles and all the other parts of your body start to follow along and that cascading effect ends up with the feeling of relaxation that we experience, but we're not going for relaxation. We're going for release. And and that's essentially what I did. So where did you, if you remember back, where were you feeling kind of that trapped anxiety and how did you release it? You know, for me, I'll tell you, it's, it's, there's two answers there. So primarily I was feeling it in my shoulders and neck and kind of in my head. That's funny. Forehead. You're talking about it. I'm like, that's where I was feeling it. I was like, the, yeah. up, like my shoulders <laughs> and up my neck. And I'm like, just try yes. to relax them, try to drop them, try to breathe into it. 
Yes, exactly. And so I, I was feeling it there. And at the time, I couldn't feel this. And this is a whole other layer to this um, that I recognized later, which is I was holding it in my pelvic area and my mm. upper thighs. Um, I think a lot of listeners who've experienced preterm labor or P-prom or anything like that, bleeding during pregnancy, you just know you are automatically go into like clenching Yeah, mode. you're going to try to hold that baby in. Exactly. And so at the time, I didn't do anything about that area because I, I couldn't actually feel it. Um, but I was focused really on kind of my upper shoulders, neck, face, head area uh, to try to, to try to release it. I tried lots of different things. I had my husband kind of massage or just use some kind of acupressure type approaches on my skin and my face. Um, I had people just kind of stroking me, people, friends or family would come in. I just asked them to stroke me <laughs> on my face or my head or my shoulder or something like that. Um, and there was a lot of it at the time. That's kind of all I could figure out to do. Now what I teach is that you can actually do this on your own, even if nobody's around you. Um, that if you can actually tolerate that sensation, your body will know how to discharge it on its own. You actually don't have to do anything to do that. The, the trick really, if you can call it a trick, the, the work, the skill is in actually being able to tolerate that sensation, which is usually where people get stuck. Oh, that makes so. And as a yoga teacher, that makes a lot of sense. It's like mm-hmm. being, learning to be comfortable within the discomfort. And yeah. then also having enough of a conversation with your body to know where you're feeling that sensation, where are you feeling exactly. stuck? I call it the congestion. Yeah, that's a great word for it. Yeah, that's oh. exactly it. And and again, as as you know so well, the the skill again is to not follow the train of thoughts because yes. at the time that that's happening, your head is going all everywhere. over the place. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> all the thoughts, all the what ifs, all of that's happening, and the skill is going. Okay, thank you, thoughts. I see that you're there. I'm gonna do nothing to you. Because they're just signals or signs that your body has shifted. There's the, the thoughts are not the problem. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, there's a lot of training that has to happen and, and, um, skill building that often needs to happen to take us out of our heads into our bodies. It's totally possible, as you know so well, very possible, really potent. Um, but that's often where it can get a little bit tricky and, and why it's so important to do this work even before you're pregnant. So you have those skills when you are pregnant again. Oh, this is so good. Do you ever, I mean, then I promise I'll get us on topic, but do you have, <laughs> <laughs> as a yoga teacher who's been working with a perinatal population for almost two decades, I, I, in fact, I'm just even thinking to this morning's class where I had somebody that was saying their mind was just all over the place. They couldn't mm-hmm. fall asleep at all last night and they were getting more and more tense. So I gave her a couple of tools that I've used and I actually, one of them, I remember I had a client who eventually got an epidural, but it only took in half her body and the other half were waiting oh. for the anesthesiologist to come back and fix the little catheter so that both sides of her body got bathed in the medication. So while we were there waiting, she couldn't use a lot of the techniques that we used of like being up and mobile because she half her body was sure. So I use this thing called progressive relaxation, Mm -hmm. um, 
which I also call the talk through. So I was being very mindful of like, relax the crown, like bringing her thoughts to the crown of her head and then her forehead and then her eyes are really bringing her awareness to very specific areas and consciously trying to release the tension. And so I brought that into class today and the, some of the students like, oh, that really helped me recognize where I was holding on to tension and consciously trying to soften. So is mm-hmm. that kind of the same thing? Like we're changing the channel of the thinking? Um, not entirely. So no, progressive okay. relaxation is actually, I mentioned it in my, in my book. Uh, it's a great tool to have. I think if you're dealing with acute or chronic stress, mm-hmm. it doesn't work so well with traumatic stress. Okay. And the reason why is because it forces, like we were talking about earlier, it forces relaxation too early in the process. Okay. And so that can actually feel really scary uh. and can re-trigger um, that experience. Cause if you, if you think about my example, for example, when I'm lying there on the hospital bed upside down, trying to keep the baby in and my hips are tight and my upper thighs are tight, I'm just literally clenching to keep this baby in. Yeah. That level of relaxation, um, will actually feel really dangerous. Like too It'll vulnerable. It's too, it's too, um, it's, I guess the best way to describe it is it's like trying to meditate while there's a bear coming right at you. <laughs> okay. Like it's, it's just a mismatch in what your, your physiology needs, I guess okay. is the best way to say it. And so typically what I find in those situations is we've got to address other parts of the body first. Mm-hmm. And then we get to that like core, which for a lot of my clients is that pelvic region where. Yes. We just, I mean, to the point where with traumatic stress, we actually can't feel that part of the body for a long time until we do this work. And so I think progressive relaxation, to answer your question, I think it's a great tool to have uh, a little bit further down the line when you're doing your traumatic stress healing uh-huh. or if you, if it's there is no traumatic stress and it's more of an acute or chronic stress issue. Thank you. Thank you for being so clear with that. I really, I, I love learning new things. I, Great. So I want to get back to the stress. So <laughs> I feel like, oh, who doesn't have stress? But I feel like, especially now, it's a very high stress time. And yes. we know that pregnancy hormones are so elevated. I believe estrogen is like a thousand fold higher than your mm-hmm. unpregnant body, which is, which makes people more sensitive. So I'm assuming also more sensitive to stress. So how does stress affect the pregnant body? Yeah. So before I answer that, let can we talk about what stress is and sure. isn't? Yes. Um, because I think a lot of times we are hearing, even from professionals, that stress is an emotional experience. And it actually isn't. It's not a subjective feeling. We have emotional sensations that are tied to what we call stress. Mm-hmm. But stress is a physiological chain reaction that happens in our bodies in response to a threat. Okay. And I think we forget that because what stresses us out are things like, oh, I've got to turn in this report for work or I have 10 things to do for my child's birthday party or something like that. And it doesn't sound like a threat because it's a checklist. How is that threatening? But our bodies don't know the difference between being chased by a bear and waiting in the doctor's waiting room before you have an ultrasound or getting bad news from blood work or anything like that. There's literally no difference. And so this is why I like to start here is because 
when we understand that stress is not a subjective feeling, then we can understand that feeling that stress reaction is not a choice. Mm. That whole experience that happens in our bodies, the tight chest, the shallow breathing, the, the, um, sweaty palms, you know, the thoughts racing, all of that is in reaction to your body identifying some kind of threat to you or baby or both at below a conscious level. There's outside of cognitive awareness and it makes those physical shifts and that's what you're experiencing. And so it's not your fault, right? You're not choosing this. And I think that's important to remember because when we talk about the impact of stress on pregnancy, it can feel like, oh my gosh, it's one more thing I have to fix and one more thing to do. And it's actually not because there's not, you're not doing anything wrong and you're not choosing for this to happen, right? That's so, so great. I love this. Can I just say, because I'm sure many people like, I'm stressed that I'm feeling stressed and now yes. I'm stressed that I'm going to overstress. <laughs> like, like yes. and so you're, you're what, if I, what I heard is don't blame yourself. Your body's reacting to this. It's not yeah. your fault. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'll give another example. So I have severe food allergies and um i had an experience just recently with with an allergen right if i consume the allergen my body has a reaction right and you if anybody has allergies whether it's food or otherwise you know right you smell yes. the pollen and then you sneeze and your eyes are watery and itchy and all this stuff you're not choosing that mm-hmm. it is a body reaction to something that your system has identified as a threat to you right? Same thing for something that's not tangible. It's the same thing. It is a physiological reaction that you are not choosing. It is a reaction. And that's what I I find to be really cool because then it takes our attention away from how do I fix my reaction to what is the thing that's triggering this, right? So for allergies, maybe it's peanuts, right? So then you avoid peanuts or whatever. In this case, what is the thing? Is it the fact, and I'll give you examples of my clients, is my clients that you typically, typically were with are women who have had a history of preterm delivery or late-term loss. And so sometimes for them, it's making the call to the fertility clinic to start a new cycle. That is the trigger. Sometimes it is the actual injection, starting your injectables for that cycle. That's the trigger. For a lot of my clients, it is the sensation of being pregnant, you know, that full pelvis feeling even very early on. That's the trigger. Mm. Or it is the hormone change that happens even before you know you're pregnant, but there's this feel, this body memory you have. That's the trigger. Mm. And so when we can start focusing on that, that gives us something to work with instead of trying to quote unquote fix you because there's nothing wrong with you. I like that. There's nothing wrong with you. I want all the listeners to hear that. You didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. So, So does stress affect pregnant people differently? than a non-pregnant person. Yeah. So yes, getting back to the original (laughs) question. (laughs) So what I find to be so fascinating about stress and pregnancy is this. Stress on its own, right? That physiological chain reaction starts in the nervous system. Mm -hmm. The nervous system is the only body system that touches every single other body system in our bodies, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's a cascading effect into everything. The three that we're most interested in for pregnancy are the nervous system, the endocrine system, and the immune system. 
all three of which are affected even pre-pregnancy. But the way they show up in our bodies is a little bit different because in pregnancy, the, these three, the nervous system, endocrine system, and immune system have to be in a very particular balance that is different than pre-pregnancy to support a healthy pregnancy. So we expect a shift. This is often why we see kind of a baseline in subjective anxiety, for example, increase in pregnancy because there is a shift in the nervous system, the sympathetic arousal. It actually increases as you go through the, your entire pregnancy and it's supposed to, uh, to sustain a healthy pregnancy and it has particular impact on the immune and the endocrine system. That balance, if you can imagine, it shifts from like one type of a three-legged stool to a different three-legged stool, and that's Mm -hmm. going to support a healthy pregnancy. But let's say you take that three-legged stool and one of those legs is the nervous system, and let's say we cut it by a third or something, right? So it changes somehow, and that's what we're kind of showing as the stress response has now kicked in. You can imagine that it's going to affect the rest of the stool. It's going right. to tilt or it's going to fall over or something's going to happen to it. It's going to get wobbly. And that's essentially the visual that I like to use to describe what happens in pregnancy is that that particular balance that needs to be in that place to support a healthy pregnancy is no longer there. So it's shifted again from pre-pregnancy. And that shift puts you at risk for multiple pregnancy complications preeclampsia, gestational hypertension, gestational diabetes, preterm labor, um, and so many more like that, PPROM, all of that. Those are the risk factors that we are looking at. And when we look at women, there's plenty of research that shows kind of retrospective data. When we look back at what's happened, we see that there has been a change in all three of those systems. And it's so directly tied to an increased risk of complications, uh, maternal complications, as well as neonatal complications. I'm imagining someone listening to this and hearing, okay, my endocrine system. And for those that don't know, endocrine systems like our hormones, um, immune system and nervous system, they're no longer as balanced as they were pre-pregnancy. How does someone find a little bit more balance in that? Yeah. So the way that I work is I work very specifically with the nervous system. If you work with, say, a dietitian, they might address more of the hormonal systems and come from that end through food, right? And so there's a lot of different places that you can address this. Um, the way that I work is, well, if it all starts with the nervous system, let's go to the root of it. <laughs> let's deal with the nervous system specifically. And so I teach my clients how to actually restore health and flexibility to the nervous system. And if we can do that first pre-pregnancy, then we can adjust and tweak along the way because that nervous system is changing every single week through pregnancy. We can sustain that new level and kind of adjust to the ranges that it needs to be, so to speak, for pregnancy. If we can restore health to that nervous system, the other two will follow. Because, I'm sorry, keep going. Oh, no, no, go ahead. What are ways somebody can bring some more health to the nervous system? Well, that's where it gets a little tricky because there are no tools that actually work. (laughs) And I think that's the biggest kind of like balloon popping moment that I have. (laughs) I'm such a type A that I'm like, let's get our tools. How do we do this? Give me some. Okay. Exactly. And the reason is because, and again, another analogy, that is the language I speak is of analogies. Um, it's like going, wanting to, um, 
to get stronger, right? There's a million ways to strengthen our bodies, but what matters most is not the way we do it, but the, that we are choosing ways that support our particular physiology. And that's so different for everybody. Where it does begin though is where we were talking about how we're disconnected from our bodies. This nervous system work has to begin at one, being able to access all of your senses, you know, taste, touch, hearing, sight, sound, or, or which one did I miss? I missed one. Smell? There's, you know, those five. Smell. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, being able to access those, being able to access the feeling of your body, and then being able to tolerate the, all of those sensations. It has to start there, but it doesn't end there. That's just the beginning. And, and I find that when people hear that, they're like, great, sounds super easy. Um, it's very simple, but it's not easy to do because physiologically, when we experience a threat, we are supposed to be disconnected from our bodies. We are supposed to be disconnected from any sense that is not required to keep us alive and safe. And we should not be able to tolerate internal sensations because they're not required for us to stay alive. And so it's a constant retraining. And that's why there's no tool. There's no one or two tools. It's the work is actually in the repetitive training of your nervous system to get it back to working the way that it was before. It just keeps bringing me back to yoga. It, that's where I, and maybe that's just because that's where my lens is clearly mm-hmm. as a yoga teacher, but it's the idea of being aware of sensations that maybe we've often disconnected from. I teach a lot about the pelvis and pelvic floor. Yeah. And I know that people, uh, and I'll say it as we're doing, I'm like, you may not have a relationship with your pelvic floor. This might be the first time you're even considering it. And again, trauma, they can come to it with trauma, but even just something so small as can you feel your sit bones? So it's just an introduction to the body and then an introduction to exploring and being with what comes up, even if it's uncomfortable. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that could be a doorway into a internal conversation. It absolutely can. Absolutely. And it, you know, for people that are listening, even if you're not doing yoga or you're not doing any kind of formal practice yet, you might even notice it in terms of like, how long do you wait when you have a full bladder before you know you have to go to the bathroom? Right. This is one, especially for my clients who have experienced PPROM preterm premature rupture of membranes, which means your water breaks preterm and before you go into labor. And, um, you know, where we've, we're so disconnected from that part of our body that it, it has to fill up to the point of pain sometimes before we go, Oh, I got to go to the bathroom. Mm. But those sensations are actually far more subtle and start probably two hours before you notice that you have to go to the bathroom, right? So it's in such subtle ways like that, uh, where you're right. Like the, the door to healing begins with making sure that these parts of your body are back online and are back of and accessible to you and that you can tolerate those sensations without, um, re-triggering yourself and going down that spiral. And, and that's, that's certainly where the work begins. This is, I'm loving this conversation. All right. We have to cook quick break, but when we come back, I would love to talk about how does stress affect the baby? All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. So I'm sure if somebody is pregnant and they're listening, we're talking about stress affecting the pregnant body and mind, they might be thinking, well, is this affecting the baby? So how does stress affect the baby? Yeah, there's a lot of research that's available out there on the neonatal outcomes for babies. And what we've seen is that the body physiological changes that happen to mom during pregnancy can impact fetal growth, fetal development. It can show up as um, women who have experienced any kind of chronic stress, traumatic stress through pregnancy and have that physio- physiological shift in the body, um, a higher risk of fetal growth restriction, intrauterine growth restriction, de- uh, delivering small for gestational age babies. There's some neurological impacts to baby's development, uh, oftentimes respiratory impacts to baby's development. Um, and so, so many things like that, it, it can impact the fetal development. And again, when you hear that, I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, it's one more thing I'm probably doing to screw up my child or something. Um, it is, please remember that that stress again is not happening by your choice. It happened completely outside of conscious awareness. And so the goal is to figure out what to do to help you feel safe through your pregnancy so that those changes don't impact you or the baby. Okay. I'm glad that we did again remind people, not your fault, not your fault. Now, is any amount of stress okay? Because I actually find sometimes, and maybe I'm looking at the word stress in a an odd way, but sometimes when I have stress or maybe it's just pressure, it keeps me focused and motivated. Again, maybe that's bonkers of me to say that. So is there any amount of stress that's, that's not detrimental? 
Yeah, I, I'm glad you asked that because I think we use that word again, uh, very vaguely in regular language. And so you might have heard of things like this is bad stress and good stress or something like that. But when we look at it from a neurochemical perspective, that's actually not the same thing that's happening. Okay. So just because you have adrenaline running through your body, which is often what um, helps people feel focused, you know, you've got a deadline coming up and you're going, 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 that doesn't mean that that's the stress response that's kicking on. Uh, the stress response is very specifically tied to a perception of threat. And those similar chemicals or certain hormones can exist outside of the threat response that can help you feel focused. That's absolutely possible. Okay. So I keep coming back to people are having, people are living with stress that it's not their fault. It's their bodies reacting is there anything that they can do just to take, I know, definitely read your book, work with somebody, but are there any daily activities or something someone can start to just chip away at anxiety? And maybe again, I'm using these words incorrectly because I keep putting in my mind anxiety and stress. So maybe they shouldn't be so linked. Is there any way to just, so again, correct me if I shouldn't be putting them together. And if not what can someone do just to start to chip away of some of that they're carrying? Sure. Yeah, I think to address the anxiety stress piece, we do use them interchangeably. Think of anxiety as the like emotional red flag that the threat response is turned on. The, you know, heart racing can be like the cardiological red flag, the shortness of breath could be the respiratory red flag. These are all just reminders of, hey, we're not safe in this situation. Um, and so they're, they're, they're signs and signals like that. And I think the best place to start for all of this is, and I imagine a lot of people recognize that they're feeling stressed by their thoughts first. They're loud. They're very clear. They're incessant sometimes. And anytime that that happens, whatever your clues are that you're feeling stressed out, quote unquote, turn towards your body and and start orienting yourself to your environment and to your body. Can you feel and experience all of your senses? And usually if you're living with traumatic stress, you're going to find one or two, sometimes three, that you realize you actually can't. And so to start practicing bringing those senses online, that is really where it begins. Because if your senses are not online, no other tool you use beyond that is going to stick. It's going to work for five minutes, an hour, a day, something like that. And you're going to go right back to it. Because when your senses are offline, that is your body's kind of feedback loop of we're not safe because it doesn't matter what the rose smells like. There's a bear coming after us. Keep running. And so if you keep teaching your body how to bring up those senses and keep them online and really orient yourself to your environment in that way, you're essentially doing a lot of retraining at the body-based level to teach your body that actually there is no bear and you're you're actually safe. And that's a really good place to start, I think. Just like listening to what am I hearing in the room? What am I seeing? Can I feel the weight of my body touch the furniture I'm sitting on or feel my feet? Is that kind of a starting point? Yeah, it's a great starting point. And one of the places that I'll share with you where a lot of my clients are become surprised with the experience uh -huh. is that a lot of these things, so let's say you're sitting outside and you're listening to the birds. Many of us have been outside enough times that we have a memory of what birds sound like. 
And so when we try to pay attention to those sensations or we know what a flower smells like, we are actually accessing the memory of that sense and not the actual sense in present time. And that's really where the work is. And it, it takes my clients completely by surprise. They're like, no, I've got all my senses online. I'm like, are you, are you actually smelling that cheesecake or do you think you're smelling the cheesecake? Right. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm smelling the cheesecake. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it's really being present. Am I really hearing this? Am I really smelling this? Am I really feeling my feet touch the ground or am I just kind of not really present and just using a recall? Yeah, exactly. And again, if you're living in a body with traumatic stress and you've been living in that body with traumatic stress for months or years, it is very common to realize there are one, two, three, sometimes four, where you actually cannot sense it. And again, that's not a sign that you're broken. It's a sign that your body is working exactly as it should, thinking that there's actually danger around you. And so the work begins very slowly, very gently to retrain your body. You know, it's like when you break an arm and then you have to go to PT afterwards for a little bit because the muscles have atrophied because you haven't used it for six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. That's the same kind of thing. You're rebuilding that muscle. You had it before, you will have it again. It does take consistent effort though. So I want to shift to that relationship with the body. I'm glad that you brought that up. So I've had a lot of high risk students and students have similar to sounds like, um, unfortunately what you went through that struggled either to continue pregnancy or to get pregnant. And there is a bit of distrust of their body. They, in a, what yeah. tools, and there's also, also a lot of fear around their body and around their pregnancy. They're afraid to do stuff because it's going to hurt their body and hurt their baby. Are there tools to help release some of that fear and reshape and reclaim that relationship with their body? There, yeah, there's a lot that you can do. Um, it's, it's again, it's not tool based, it's lifestyle based. Okay. And thank you for so when we, me. yeah, sure. No, I, I think that's important because we, we like to have like, tell me the three things to do. Yes. And, and unfortunately, like it's, it just doesn't, our, our human body doesn't work that way with the three things, right? Like what are the three healthiest things to eat right now? Well, what's healthy for you is going to be not healthy for me possibly, right? right? Something like that. And so, you know, I, what I like to bring this back to is when you're feeling fear, which is very normal and very common after having gone through a complicated journey as it is, that fear is coming from a nervous system that doesn't feel safe. And I mean, feel not in kind of a woo way, but it's not functioning in safe mode. It's functioning in survival mode. That fear makes perfect sense. And the goal is never to get rid of the fear entirely. And I say that both professionally and personally, it is not possible to not feel fear when you want a child so badly and you want to keep them safe and bring them safely into the world. It's not possible. So let's remove that off the table of how do I not feel fear next time? That's not, it's not going to happen. What will happen though, is if you can restore that nervous system back into safe mode, right? As we come out of that threat mode, that survival mode, you start doing these practices and create this lifestyle where you're supporting a flexible nervous system, then yeah, there are going to be moments where you're going to feel anxious or afraid. Um, you know, maybe you have a twinge and you go, oh my gosh, what was that thinking back to 
your preterm labor from before, or you're waiting for the ultrasound tech to tell you something or make some kind of facial expression to tell you everything's okay. And there is going to, there are going to be those moments, but the difference is you will now be in a body where the nervous system is adapting to this acute situation. So it's not going to send you back down that dark hole that you have kind of healed yourself out of, you're going to be able to stay within that range of, okay, I'm nervous right now, but I can come back down. I know exactly how to do that because I know what my body needs. And from there, then it's totally fine. If you have moments of anxiety, you have moments of fear, you have moments of overwhelm or uncertainty, because it's not those moments that are the problem. It's can you bring yourself back to safety relatively quickly and keep yourself there for as long as possible. And from there, the actual impact on the pregnancy health, as we were talking about with the stool example, the nervous system, endocrine system, and immune system, it actually has a really powerful positive impact on pregnancy health. Even if you've already developed complications, I have seen with my own eyes with my clients, those complications can reduce or uh, be eliminated entirely, which is really amazing. So if you've had someone kind of like even yourself that had a lot of struggle, was there anything that you found that helped you just trust the process of your body? You know, when it was, it happened at the very end. Um, and again, trust is not something you can think yourself into. Right. right? Well, you absolutely. It's just, yeah. It's as hard. you know so well. It's so yeah. hard. You can't just be like, okay. I'm going to trust myself, trust myself, trust myself. Everything's okay. Like it won't, it doesn't work that way. Right. Trust comes from knowing that you can impact your pregnancy and you can impact your body in very predictable ways. And that's what I love about this work is because it's a lifestyle, you start noticing patterns. Every time I am anxious, I notice I can't smell something anymore. So then I know that I have to do X, Y, Z things to bring that sensation back online. And when I do that, then I know that I can feel blah, blah, blah. You know, you have these very predictable patterns. If you think of it like, how do you trust another person in your life? It's because we know what that relationship is like. And that's really what we're doing when we're rebuilding trust in your body is we're restoring that relationship of if I do this, my body responds this way. And if I don't do this, then my body responds in this particular way. And we create these patterns and we start relearning those patterns because those patterns are absolutely trustworthy. Oh, I love that. The patterns, that makes a lot of sense, recognizing the patterns and then trusting the patterns. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So if somebody has as a back, you know, a background of trauma or anxiety and fear around their pregnancy and birth, then clearly for their birth, they need the whole team supporting them. They, I, I'm always about a doula. Both yes, me too. I was a doula, so a little transparency there. But <laughs> what are ways that somebody can communicate with their care provider to ensure they're going to be supported during their pregnancy? and their birth, because I can't imagine having coming into this vulnerable experience with a lot. So someone did all that work, but yet they don't have everyone on the team on board. I can't imagine that I know. working as smoothly. No, it doesn't. I actually just right before we jumped on here, I was on a client call where that was exactly what was happening is there's a need that uh, she had as a patient that was just not being met by the provider. And they're not necessarily bad providers. It's for any number of reasons. They're just not able to meet her Mm -hmm. where she needs. And that can 
really perpetuate that cycle of I'm not safe. I am not safe in, in this care team. I'm not safe in this pregnancy and just continue with that loop of I'm not safe. So these physi- physiological changes are happening in my body that scares me, that perpetuates, you know, all of that for sure. And so I, I'm in complete agreement with you. Build your team first and really be clear about who you need on your team. I think a lot of people assume that one OB, or if you know you need an MFM, which is a high risk OB, um, is going to be enough. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes we need more specialized support um, to be able to give us the very personalized kind of support that we need. And what I like to kind of teach my clients is first, you've got to do your trauma healing first, because if you walk into a relationship, whether it's new or an established relationship, and you're triggered by the person, the surroundings, the conversation, you're not going to be able to convey what you need because you won't be able to tell, right? Because you can't feel your body and they're not going to know. And you're not going to be able to assess whether this is a safe person to be around or not because your whole filter has now changed to nothing is safe. Right. And so do that work first, continue, like really start it first. If there's no end point, really the lifestyles we've talked about to start it first. And then I say from there, you're able to shift your physiology to be in a place where you can be safe around this person. So you can take in the information they're giving you. You can make sense of it. You can remember it, right? You don't, you're not in that moment where you're forgetting all the 10 questions that you had, or even if you had them written down, you're kind of rushing through them. Instead, it's a much slower experience with the two of you where you're having this conversation. And I think it starts with being very clear about what you need and what what you want and really believing you deserve all of that Mm -hmm. and then asking for it. And if they can't do that or they can't provide it to you, keep looking, keep finding other people to add to your team to make sure that you are surrounded with exactly the support that you believe you deserve and that you need and want to have the experience that you want in your next pregnancy. And and I think from there, so much of it is about asking lots of questions. Don't take any answers for granted. If something doesn't make sense or it doesn't feel right in your body, question it and ask until you either feel good about it or until you're willing to make that decision to say, no, I don't want to go in that direction and, and really encourage um, your, your team to believe that you are a trustworthy source of information because it's your body. And as much education as the rest of us have in our specialties, nobody knows what it's like to be living in your body. And that needs to be center stage in your team and in your care plan. Yes. I love that. I tell my students all the time, you are the expert of yeah. your body. I'll say like, I make suggestions, but you make decisions of how you exactly. want to work and move your body. Yes. Yep. Oh, we're so aligned on that. All right. We're mm-hmm. going to take a quick break and we come back. If you can offer one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents, and it can be anything, anything at all. All right. We're take a quick break. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so I'll just leave it to you. Throw it out there. What is one <laughs> tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents? Oh, just one. This is hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I think I'll say this. Trust yourself. Trust yourself to know what you want, what you need, how to make decisions, what feels right. And I think that applies through fertility treatments, through pregnancy and into new parenthood. You know your body, you know your child. Do not let anyone make you doubt that. Mm, I really, really, really like that because it's so easy to get swayed by other people. Oh, I think you should do this. Gosh, and everyone has an opinion. I remember literally walking across, when I used to live in Manhattan, walking across Broadway and this old woman stopped me with my daughter and she's like, she should have a hat on. And I'm like, it's like 80 degrees. But whatever. (laughs) But like everyone has, and then for a hot second, I'm like, should she? No, she shouldn't. Like, (laughs) but you're like, it's so easy to let other people start to become the expert of you when they're not. Oh, I love yes. that one. So where can people find your work? Uh, well, you can head over to my website, which is my full name.com, barijatdeshpande.com. And all the information's there. You have a link to my book, Pregnancy Brain, and my blog, and my podcast, and uh, my program, Path to Baby, which is how I work with women one-on-one. And I typically hang out on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, come by and say hi. I'm at healthy.highriskpregnancy. Let me know that we met on this podcast, and I'd love to hear uh, what your biggest takeaway was. Oh, that is so great. Well, I had a lot of takeaways. I have so many notes that I took. This was really, really wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This is lovely. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.